Hi again, everybody. Welcome to Radio MVP Sports Podcast, episode number 119. I'm Tim. Anthony's not with us here today as uh, I had an opportunity to schedule a interview with Gemma Bastiani, of course, one of our favorites here on Radio MVP as we talk about the AFL Grand Finals coming up uh, Saturday morning here in the States at 4.30 a.m. Uh, I believe it will be on either ESPN or Fox Sports 1. I have not double-checked, but we will uh, see. Uh, it's also on the AFL app, which I've been a subscriber for for a few years now. Anyways, enough about that. We have Gemma on to preview the grand finals between the Geelong Cats and the Richmond Tigers. Uh, for those who don't know, the Tigers have the Tigers are currently the Premiership winners from 2019. They also won it in 2017 and looking to make it three out of the last four years. Geelong making their first appearance in the grand finals since 2011. We're going to talk about all that with Gemma. Of course, Gemma Bastiani from PlayOnRadio.Live. That is her blog site. You can find out all about what she talks about footy and other activities that she's in. She's also a founding member of the Siren Women in Sport Collective. And you want to check that out. You want to just Google that. You'll find more information. They have a great newsletter that comes out each week that you want to uh, subscribe to. You can find her on Twitter at GL Bastiani and her podcast, which I recommend highly. I'm a subscriber to many. Uh, I see it and don't believe it. It's a footy podcast. The Australian Jams and International Marmalade. They are a music uh, feature about music from Australia and international. Uh, the International Marmalade, she has a co-host of Mix Everts with her on that one. And each and every week during the footy season, both uh, for the women's competition and the men's, she does a play-on preview and review podcast for each week's action. And uh, it should be a lot of fun uh, as she gives you some of the best information uh, out there on the internet today about uh, AFL and AFLW. So please uh, take a an opportunity to check her out on Twitter and everywhere else. She's really a, a fun interview we had with her, a fun conversation. It wasn't a, even an interview. You know me. I don't. I had more notes for this one than I normally do because uh, I usually have zero. I just like to talk to people. So I hope you enjoy it, and uh, I will talk to you after the end uh, and let you know what's going on with us as we continue down the path as we're not that far away from uh, – actually Saturday night football here in America as uh, we'll have the Ursuline Irish game. And I'll talk more about that a little bit later. But first, let's get, bring in Gemma Bassiani from Melbourne, Australia to talk about the grand finals in the AFL. As promised, it's now time to talk with Gemma Bastiani, who is our resident in uh, footy. Quite simply, every time I have footy questions, I call her. And she's still kind enough to answer. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> we're going to be talking about the AFL Grand Finals coming up and the uh, the finals that just took place over the last uh, four weeks. It's been, a, I guess, not a big surprise that the top four are the ones who advanced, but I thought there were some interesting games along the way. Yeah, so I obviously had my preferences uh, as to who would win through. 
uh, my preferences did not come off, which is disappointing. Um, I, I think it's been really interesting and, and this has been a conversation that's been going on since 2016 is um, they introduced a pre-finals buy in 2016, meaning they got a week off between the home and away season. So I guess the regular mm-hmm. season for you guys um, and the final season, which I guess is called the postseason for you guys. Yeah, basically, yes. Yeah, so that has actually changed dramatically the kinds of teams that actually progress through finals and all that sort of stuff. Because if you finish in the top four and you win your first week of finals, you get the next week off. So that means now that teams that do well and win through, they have two weeks off over a month and it just ruins a lot of their rhythm. And we're seeing a lot of teams that do win in that first week of finals they're not actually rewarded like they used to be. And I think that had a really big impact on this year's finals as well. Um, so Port Adelaide and Brisbane finished one and two. They were the two best teams in the competition this year. They won the first week of finals, had the week off, and then just didn't look clean with the ball, didn't look ready for a match in the prelim finals, um, which I think was a bit disappointing because the other teams were able to build momentum through. Um, So we're left with a Richmond Geelong grand final, which, you know, like it's 2020. Of course, that's what happens. Yeah. And, you know, that's interesting. You bring that up about the bye and and maybe the sluggish play or the, or just not as crisp as normal that you would normally see on when you're in a rhythm of a week to week to week play. And, I, I've seen that in other sports. Uh, I know our football here in America has buys and teams coming off buys usually have some of the worst games of the year. And, and in the playoffs, that's always concern. You know, some think it's a, it's a huge advantage because you get a whole week to rest and to uh, heal up a little bit. But in the same vein, I've seen a lot of those teams get to that first game and not be as sharp as they were two weeks ago when they were playing weekly. And, uh, I think there's there's something to be said there. I think you can make a case for both ends of that argument of having that week off to rest your body, to get yourself more physically ready to play. But I think you lose that that internal rhythm that a lot of players have in sport that you need. And you see it may take a quarter, sometimes a half, sometimes the entire game before you actually see some of that rhythm come back. Yeah, exactly. And I think it was really evident in that, the way both Port Adelaide and and Brisbane played in the prelim finals, which is the week before the grand final. Um, The fact that they just didn't look clean with the ball. They didn't have that connection until later in the game. And it was, and, and I mean, Richmond thrive on that. They thrive on the chaos and forcing a turnover. So it played right into Richmond's hands. And then Brisbane just couldn't get any sort of control of the game against Geelong. And again, I think a lot of that has to do with, I mean, obviously, obviously Geelong and Richmond are very good sides. Like let's not take that away, but I think the rhythm of the season heading into finals did have an impact on the way Port Adelaide and Brisbane played their prelims. Yeah, and speaking of that round, for those who are wondering what the scores were, it was Richmond 46 to Port Adelaide uh, 40, and it was Geelong defeating Brisbane uh, 82-42, I think, in that game, or 82-40, to 40, something like that. But, you know, we last time we talked, we were talking about Port uh, winning the uh, the minor premiership, uh, being on top of the ladder, and the, 
just kind of the rhythm of uh, 2020 season, the uh, the leap year, excuse me, and uh, that that potential. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's kind of fun to watch. And uh, I think you're right. They, I know the weather wasn't the best in that game for it, but they both played in that conditions. Um, yeah, I think they did. They just didn't yeah, look as crisp as they normally do. Yeah, there were just little things like um, a couple of times in a passage of play, um, Sam Pal Pepper would handball to a teammate when they're on a, a bit of a fast break and it would land at their feet instead of up in their hands. And it's little things like that that were very obvious for Port in particular. I think um, that was just really evident to me is that they just didn't have that team connection that we've seen from them all year. Now, this is going to be played at the GABA, of course, that of the M- MGC is where, where normally traditional play for the uh, grand file is. Uh, my understanding, first time since 1991 that there has not been played in, in Melbourne. So uh, just talk about that and, you know, maybe the, uh, the uniqueness that we're going to see this week. Yeah, it's the first time not at the MCG. I think 1991, it was still in Melbourne. It just was at a different ground in Melbourne. Um, Waverly or something like that, I read. You know, yeah. So Hawthorne's community ground, I think. Um, They, I'm probably a non-traditionalist when it comes to Aussie rules. There are a lot of, I would probably say old men um, who are traditionalists when it comes to Aussie rules and this whole idea that things have to be done a certain way all the time or it ruins the spectacle type thing. So these are the people that are obsessed with the fact that the grand final has to be at the MCG until 20, 2052, I think it is. There's a oh contract sign. Um, so it's just like, I think it's fascinating and it's the whole Guernsey thing as well. Like if a team makes a slight change to a Guernsey, people lose their minds. If it's, if the team song gets re-recorded, which happened a couple of years ago, people lose their minds. It's like, I don't, under, I don't get that because for me, the ceremony is the game itself. Correct. Sorry. I have the hiccups. Um, But yeah. So obviously with COVID and Victoria being, a hot zone and pretty much locked down. Before we jumped on this, we discussed the fact that Victoria, where I live, has been locked down for 80-something days now. Um, it meant that something else had to happen, and Queensland has hosted the majority of football this year for us. So it was only right that Queensland would host the grand final. The Gabba, which is the ground in Brisbane, um, and Metricon Stadium is Gold Coast. Um, the Gabba is the bigger of the two grounds, and therefore got the thing which i i think totally makes sense what doesn't make sense is them spending i think upwards of a hundred thousand dollars on taking a three by one meter piece of turf from the mcg in a refrigerated truck up to the gabba to put on that ground that's the bit that i don't get when people have lost their jobs but they have the money to spend hundred thousand dollars on that so that's just That gives you an idea of what the mindset is of traditionalists in Aussie rules football. Yeah, that is, that's insanity. I understand that. I mean, does it really cost a hundred thousand dollars to move grass? (laughs) Refrigerated truck, um, the installation, the labor, the time it takes because of the border restrictions on the way up. Okay. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 
yeah, yeah. I think that's ridiculous. And mm-hmm. I'm sure they could have found a thousand different things to do with that type of money that we've made. Two a people's lot. jobs. Yeah. And, and more than anything. Exactly. And uh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, like you said, traditionalists do sometimes go to the extremes and mm-hmm. we're kind of past that here in America in sports. We have tradition, but we don't have such tradition that we it has to be such a way, you know, uh, I'm like about 20 years older than you are. And uh, the NFL, the Super Bowl came about basically when I was born. And as it has grown, and I've seen it in my lifetime, it used to be a Sunday afternoon ball game. And now as time has gone and as the growth has come to the NFL, it is now a Sunday evening game. And it you know, starts around seven o'clock. And I remember when it was four o'clock, that was a big deal. When it was six o'clock, it was a big deal. And now it's a little after seven o'clock before kickoff. And uh, that's what's going on kind of differently down in uh for afl this year is the kickoff is not an afternoon or bounce it's going to be actually 7 30 and i think uh from what you're telling me there are many who are uh, can't handle that basic idea that you know maybe more eyes on the on the game at in prime time is a good thing yeah so that's another thing that it feels a little bit like um a later an evening match is something the afl's been trying to push for for a number of years and there's been so much pushback from fans that they haven't got it over the line but in a year like this year they can kind of get away with trying things so they've they've organized for it to be an evening match because that suits you guys better for a time zone right uh no <laughs> no so that's always the been the argument yeah, it's going to be four no, in the morning. So that's always been the argument that, yeah. you know, an evening match means more people around the world can watch it when that clearly isn't the case. I mean, I, I mean, there are obviously lots of different time zones in the US, um, but Correct. it is fascinating to me. I personally prefer the tradition of the afternoon game just because, you know, people in – I don't drink. I just want to clarify that really quickly. But people in Australia do love to drink. And the idea of people starting their grand final tradition early in the day, like always, and then waiting until after 7 p.m. to actually watch the game worries me in terms of the social impact that can have. Yeah. Um, And also just, you know, um, the whole it's going to be dewy um, later at night, so the ball handling won't be as good, this and that. I don't think that's strictly true because um, finals footy is always much more con- congested anyway, and we do see a lot more of that kind of play anyway. So I don't think that is so much of an issue. But, yeah, I'm just thinking in terms of the social impact of it being an evening game and people wanting to, as people would say, get on the beers um, and how – What's what sort of impact that can have? Yeah, it's tailgating is a huge part of sports here in America, and that is the exact same type of mentality that happens here. You know, the later the game, the more people drink. It's just the truth of the matter because there's more opportunity and yep. more for a cookout and everything else that may uh, go along with it. Or at the game site, I don't know if they have if you have that type of tailgating at uh, footy games or not where people would bring the food and cook out beside their cars and all that before going into the game or not. But here in America, 
on a, a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon for college or NFL football. Yeah, that, that is a huge part. Matter of fact, it even happens on Friday nights where it's just primarily high school games here. Yeah, people more probably go to the pub near the stadium mm-hmm. and drink there or um, they get around, they go to each other's houses and have barbecues and that sort of thing, which obviously Victorians can't do this year for the grand final. Um also, what are the capacities of the stadiums that you guys kind of have those big games at? Uh, most of them probably around seventy-five to one hundred thousand seats, depending on where it's at. The MCG is a hundred thousand, so yeah, it's a, probably about the same, really. Um, but yeah, most people probably just go to the pub or um, they get to the stadium early, and there's pubs inside the stadium and stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an amazing phenomenon how sports work. Uh, just to answer your question, I double checked. Yeah. Uh, first bounce for me is at 4 30 AM on Saturday. So. So if it was in the afternoon, it would have been at like midnight for you. Yeah, probably it would have been about four hours earlier. Sure. Which, which would you have preferred? Probably midnight. <laughs> yeah. I have to set my alarm for uh, four in the morning to get myself up. Yeah, it's not staying up anymore. It's having to go to bed and getting up early. That's so much harder than just staying up. Exactly, exactly. And, I, yeah. and I'm getting too old to stay up all day. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, AFL. <laughs> Damn you, life. <laughs> Take all my fun away. Uh, no, I, let's let's talk about the matchup uh, with uh, Geelong and uh, Richmond. Geelong... The big words this week is about uh, Tom Hawkins staying away from the team because his illness, not COVID related, but uh, a sore throat I read and a few other things. Uh, any chance of the impact that he won't play? Uh, I highly doubt it. I mean, unless he gets significantly sicker um, in the next couple of days, I don't think it's going to affect it. He's going to play and he'll probably play very well because of the disrupted lead up. Yeah, and now Geelong, we're making their first grand final appearance since 2011. What type of impact does that have on the game? I mean, it's that's almost 10 years going, you know, by. And, and it got to be nice to see a, a new team in the finals, but I haven't really paid attention if it's been that many repeats other than Richmond of late. Uh, so Geelong's the funny one. Um, they've always been contending. Um, they have... Sorry, my brain just paused for a second. They have uh, reached a lot of prelims and the whole conversation around them has been their inability to to win a prelim for a really, really long time. Um, So the fact that they were able to do that this year in a disrupted year is quite impressive. The other thing about Geelong is that they've got, uh, they're the oldest team in the competition. They broke the record twice this year. Um, for fielding the oldest team in history um, this year. So they do have a lot of guys that are experienced, were there last time. Um, So it's not like a lot of other teams where they make a grand final 10 years later and they are a completely different side and don't have any of that experience. So I think that is a really big aspect of it. Um, there's also the ceremony around Gary Ablett's retirement, potentially Harry Taylor's retirement. So there's a lot about this Geelong story that's fascinating, I think. Yeah, the uh, the players, basically some of them announce ahead of time that they this will be their last game and, then go, and, and, and will finish their careers. 
Um, has there been any rumors of players who haven't made that decision or doesn't want to come public with it? I think Harry Taylor's the only one that people are assuming um, he'll retire once the game's over. Um, other than that, I haven't heard too many. And Richmond's quite a young side. So uh, I wouldn't say quite a young side, but they're a significantly younger side than Geelong. So there aren't too many on that list that you'd be w- wondering about. Yeah, I seen a feature earlier this week on uh, Patrick Dangerfield uh, and how they moved him from one line to another. Uh, just take a moment to talk about that impact that it's had for them and uh, what maybe a matchup that will bring against uh, Richmond this week. Yeah, so uh, I think this is an interesting one as well. Patrick Dangerfield is kind of the archetype um, big-bodied midfielder that a lot of clubs have. Um, He's obviously just a really, really good version of that. So a lot of clubs will have that big-bodied midfielder that can go forward, take contested marks and kick goals um, and really allows you to throw the magnets around mid-game um, so you have so much flexibility going into a game with them. So at the Swans, you'd probably say it's Luke Parker. At Fremantle, you'd say it's Nat Fife, who played a lot of forward time this year. At Ge- um, not Geelong, at Richmond, you'd say it's Dustin Martin. So they're players that can play in a number of different roles. And Patrick Dangerfield, I- I'm I'm fascinated in the conversation coming up this year because they've been doing it for a number of years. And I distinctly recall um, in 2017. My team, the Swans, had gone zero and six and made finals, which broke history because um, no team had ever gone zero and six and made finals. And then um, they won their first final and then had to play Geelong. And I just remember watching that game and Patrick Dangerfield playing forward. No one could contain him up forward. And ever since then, they've been using him in that role a lot. Um, So it's something everyone knows. It's just something that no one has worked out how to stop. So I think that is the bigger conversation than just the fact that he's playing forward. Um, Geelong's had some injuries and some players unavailable this year. Um, Oh, there you go. The news, Tom Hawkins has tested negative to COVID. So there you go. Um, They've uh, had a number of injuries this year, which meant they've had to play with their midfield structure, right? So guys like Sam Menegola, Cam Guthrie have spent more time higher up the ground. So Menegola more on a wing, Cam Guthrie more in the midfield, um, Mitch Duncan as well. So the fact that those guys have gone in there and done the job very well allows them to use Patrick Dangerfield forward a lot more than maybe they would in the past. So that is another aspect to their game day um, flexibility, I suppose. So that is probably why I like Geelong a bit more for this game. Yeah. And what is is there like certain matchups I should be looking at uh, like player versus player, you know, in that scenario who, uh, you know, like let's say Dustin Martin will be up against, against a Geelong player or, or Dangerfield against somebody from um, Richmond. I mean, is there like certain key matchups I should look to see who's like kind of winning the contested marks and who's uh, you know, it seems to be uh, getting to the ball the best. I think the really interesting one, and it's probably a name no one has mentioned at all. Um, I think whoever is able to stop um, Dion Prestia from getting mm-hmm. um, clean clearances out of the midfield, I think that's going to have a really, really big impact on how Richmond are able to play the game and how Richmond are able to get control of the game. So often when Richmond want to change up that midfield or get a quick clearance or get a just the ball to the outside and out of that congestion. 
Dion Prestia is the guy they get it to. So if Geelong can find someone to shut him down and not allow him space on the outside to do that clearance work, I think that goes a long way towards stopping Richmond's ability to clear the ball and get control of the game. Now, Richmond comes in. I mean, this is kind of like old hat for them. Uh, this is their third appearance in four years <sighs> in the uh, in the grand finals. Uh, they won last year. They won two years ago. Uh, just the success that this, this side has had, just talk about that. And, and, you know, I hear all everyone talking about dynasties and what, what they have, uh, they're, what they're on, on the verge of becoming. Uh, just talk about that team. And, and I guess their place, their style of plays are more, I want to say aggressive, but uh, more, more forward, I guess, long, long, long kicks and long passes uh, versus like Gerlong, who's more up the middle. Is that correct? Um, I should preface this by saying I'm not a fan of the club. That's so all right. If that comes through, I'm That's sorry. That's fine with me. I'm not a fan of them neither. <laughs> um, Richmond play a bit more of a chaos style ball. So it's, it's very reminiscent of Hawthorne in their, I guess you'd say dynasty as well. So 2014, 15, uh, 2013, 14 and 15 is they get the ball forward however they possibly can. So if that means you're on the floor and you you punch it forward, or if that means a long kick, or if that means, you know, a tap out of the air to a teammate who's running, um, it's just whatever works in that moment, make sure it happens so you can keep the ball going forward. That is um, the main part of their game style. And then it's backed up really well because they have a really solid defensive line. And, and that defensive line is effectively what um, stopped, stopped Port Adelaide from being able to beat them last week. So that's the combination that you need to stop for them. The big thing for them is if you can play possession football and not allow turnover, then they aren't able to get that rhythm going. They're not able to get that chaos going. And I'm really excited the prospect of Geelong playing them because I think Geelong do play much more of a possession game. Mm -hmm. They do like to kick and mark the ball. While they are very good in the contest, they're also very good in one-on-ones and they're very good at retaining possession. So I think if Geelong can do that, then Richmond can't get their rhythm happening. Um, and then the other thing is Geelong's defense is very good in terms of intercept marking. Um, Reese Stanley as a ruck being able to push into defense and create that out number against those tall marking opponents and allowing Tom Stewart or Mark Blitzarves to come across and take intercept marks. That I think all will work very well against Richmond. So when you're looking at Richmond, um, just the matchup of the Ruckmans, you think uh, Geelong might have a slight edge? Yeah, Toby Nankervis, ex-Swan, I can't be too mad at him, but I, I and he's very, very good. Um, but I think Reece Stanley's athleticism will really help him get on top in that contest. So we can both say that we're for Geelong t- uh, on Saturday, right? Oh, I'm 100% going <laughs> for Geelong on Saturday. <laughs> Yeah, uh, there's no question in my mind who I was going for at the moment. Uh, yeah, Port Adelaide lost uh, last week, and uh, I know the the some of the the awards have been announced so far this year. What is who who are some of the uh, the winners, and uh, uh, has the brown rope been announced? I did not hear that. Yeah, Brownlow was on Sunday, um, so heading into it, I was very 
uh, sure of who should win it personally. Um, but I've had that feeling before and it's not gone that way at all. So I was very hopeful that this person would win it. And he did. I was also hopeful of the top four that I wanted and that happened too. So I was pretty happy. Um, Lockie Neal from Brisbane won it. He's so deserving, but he also broke a whole bunch of records because obviously with the shortened season, polling 31 votes in a shortened season is outrageously good. Um, Like usually they'll poll like 24, 25 in a full season to win. Um, He polled 31 in a 17 game season. So that is ridiculous. Lucky deal. Yes. Yes. Uh, So he polled 10 best on ground performances, which I don't think we've ever seen before from memory. And then the rest of the top four was Christian Petrarca, Jack Steele and Travis Boak, who were all also very, very deserving. So it was a pretty good result, really. I, it's on my app. I just haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Um, and I yeah. probably will one evening say, ah, here's the time I'll throw it in. Cause there's really nothing on TV that I watch anymore. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm terrible. The only thing I watch is Lucifer and I've seen it twice now. So I really don't need to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but you know, that's just, that's just me. If it's not sports, it's, you know, I don't really watch much. The world series begins tonight here in America. So I'll watch some baseball, but we're getting ready for this. Uh, the, uh, the final game of the season, a crazy year, but here's good news. I, I did a little calculation. We're 103 days from the AFLW beginning. Oh, I am losing my mind. I'm so excited. The preseason begins in earnest in two weeks, but um, the Victorian government has allowed um, the AFLW players to train in small groups in Victoria, like they've been able to do in other states. Um, so they're already training, but their preseason in like properly begins in two weeks. It's incredibly exciting. The draft just happened. Um, so many crazy things happened at the draft as well. And I mean, the, the feel good story out of it, I think is Sarah Perkins is now playing at Gold Coast at the Gold Coast Suns and I think she's going to have such a great impact there it's so good to see her get another opportunity I'm very excited about AFLW I know you are and I can't wait for it because it's that's I enjoy the competition I really do it's it's uh yeah. be, what I like most about it for the most part it's kind of unpredictable I mean yeah you know some sides are a little stronger than others but uh on any giving uh opportunity these either side can really pull up the pull out the win and and that to me is makes it more exciting. And that, and to me, that is what I love watching the sports is when you don't know exactly what may transpire. Yeah. I'm um, planning my content plan for all the FLW stuff at the moment. So if anyone has any content they want to see from me, just let me know. Um, So yeah, I'm working on a whole bunch of stuff. I actually recently, um, sorry, my phone's not on silent. I'm very bad today. I apologize. You're fine. You're fine. Um, Trust me. (laughs) Uh, yeah, so I recently did a whole a really in-depth stats piece about the progression of scoring in the AFLW since 2017 and how um, a lot of the conversation from people that, that I mean, let's be honest, hate women, um, has been that they don't score high enough for it to be interesting. And while that is not true, um, I also was able to prove that scoring for teams that began in 2017, so excluding the expansion sides, um, 
the scoring has increased significantly since since then and it's just as seasons as the season progresses later in the season you get higher and higher scores because they're kind of working their way into the season which is what we see in the men's as well but the men have a far longer season to do that whereas in aflw you literally have eight weeks and that's it so it's um it's just kind of putting all that stuff on the table and explaining why it is why it is, um, the way it is. And I find numbers to be a really great thing, great asset to prove that stuff. So that's what I've been working on when it comes to AFLW. Even though it wasn't the same structure that the AFL men have, uh, will the AFLW this year stay with the eight teams? I like that. I know we only got one round before it all went away this past year, but I like when they had the top eight make the, uh, the uh, the finals uh we don't know um okay. i don't think so from memory um the cba that was signed will uh, and don't quote me on this because this could be wrong this is just off the top of my head but sure. next year but with the 14 teams in the competition i believe they're going to play nine home and away rounds and then have three rounds of finals so three rounds of finals could mean eight teams make the finals mm-hmm. but i'm not fully sure on that um but i think that's how the season's meant to be structured up so we got that to look forward to in the future oh so excited like i'm yeah. literally looking at like signed AFLW posters up in my that's awesome. studio. At the that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, hey, I know you're busy as always. Uh, you're with Siren, uh, the Women's Sports Collective. Uh, you have a podcast with that now, correct? Yeah, we've been doing some little things here and there. Allison, who is um, one of the co-founders of Siren, she is an incredible video editor, audio editor. She's amazing, just amazing human as well. Um, she and I have been doing some just rap podcasts of the AFLW trade period in the AFLW draft. Um, It's not a consistent podcast. Like it's not something you'll hear every week or every fortnight, but we're releasing audio podcasts when something significant happens like a draft or something like that. So we're building into that, I think. And you actually do do more podcasts than me. I have like three and uh, it's amazing. (laughs) I was flowing through the list. I may forget one, but you have one now called I see it, but I don't believe it. Uh, the Australian Jams, International Mar- Marmalade with uh, Mix Everts, and the Play On uh, Radio uh, Preview and Review. is. Did I get them all? Yeah, so um, <laughs> I See But I Don't Believe It is a footy stories podcast, so it's like a bit nostalgic. People come on and choose their favorite footy moment, so um, it's like this specific goal in this specific game and what it meant to me. And then we set the scene, explain the context behind why it was such a big deal. Um, so that's a really fun one to do. I'm just really bad at editing on schedule. So I do have an episode that I should have released last week that I uh, still haven't edited. So my bad. Um, the play on preview and review is, um, has been a little bit off schedule this year because of the shortened season but it's just me previewing each round of footy and then reviewing each round of footy and then Australian Jams is my Australian music podcast so for those who don't know I worked in music for eight years um, before making the leap across to um, footy media sport media Um, so that's just me and a guest each each fortnight talking about um, you know different Australian songs that have come out 
And International Marmalade is a monthly bonus episode in that feed where we talk about international music instead of just Australian. All right, there we go. I think we got it all right there, Gemma. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Lots of self-promotion. Right. <laughs> all right. I, I think it's fantastic, but personally. Uh, and then, of course, you have your website, uh, playonradio.live, where you have a blog that you uh, you update on the footy season and, and in music and uh, the Australian jams, correct? Yeah, so on there, I I mean, I do a lot of a lot of my writing goes on Siren, um, sirensport.com.au, um, but I obviously still like to write about men's footy as well, and I write a lot about footy, so not all of it can go on Siren. So that's where I put the rest of it. So a lot of those in-depth stats pieces and things are just on the blog there. So definitely go and check it out. Tell me what you think because I put a lot of work into that. Excellent. There's no question about it. Hey, I want to thank you again for coming on and hope you have a, a wonderful day today uh, as uh, we get ready for the grand finals. Always a fun time to watch. And I, I really do appreciate you uh, making the time for us each and every year. No, thank you for having me. I'm just very excited. I get to have a haircut this afternoon for the first time in six months. So yeah, yeah. I'm in I, a great mood. <laughs> I don't blame you one bit. I, uh, I had a very simple day. I, took, I, had a, I had a day off from work and I, I took my mom to the doctors, make sure everything was good there. It was nice and simple. And then I came home and I was going to work on the car, but it was raining and I didn't want to and they didn't have the parts. So I said, hey, take a nap. And I took a nap in the middle of the afternoon, which I never get a chance to do. So I actually had a wonderful day today. And now I get to talk a little footy and uh, watch a little baseball here tonight. So uh, my thanks again. Uh, we catch you on... Uh, Twitter, that's probably the best place. And that is uh, GL Bastiani, correct? Yes, that is definitely the best place. I'm on it all the time, like probably too much. Yeah, you're like me. I'm on it way too much. <laughs> <laughs> I upset too many people, but you know, I can't help it. Yeah, look, I, that's my specialty at the moment is upsetting people on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gemma, once again, thanks for all your your time and uh, I wish you nothing but the best and success going forward. And I hope uh, all the uh, restrictions come to an end and get back to uh, some normalcy and uh, this upcoming uh, women's uh, competition that you get to go out and enjoy the games. Like I know you want to. Yes. Thank you very much. And if I don't get to, then I will riot in the streets. <laughs> Is that insensitive to say? I'm really sorry. No, I'll no, get a media not. pass. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm going to leave it on that. <laughs> I'm going to throw it back to myself and end this podcast. Have a great day, everyone. <laughs> My thanks again to Gemma for coming on the podcast. Uh, check her out on Twitter at GL Bassiani and uh, enjoy. And I do mean this. Enjoy the uh, the great game of Australian rules football this week as a grand final uh, conclusion. 2020 has been a crazy year for everybody. And anytime there is sporting competition, I highly recommend taking the time and enjoy the action. All right. With that in mind, I do want to remind everybody that this Saturday, this Saturday night, uh, obviously, Anthony, myself, and Matt will be traveling to West Branch to bring you the Ursuline Irish and the West Branch Warriors in the third round 
of the Ohio High School Athletic Association playoffs. It should be a good game. The Warriors come in undefeated in seven games. The Irish, who we've been following all season long here on uh, not just our podcast, but Western Reserve Digital Broadcasting, also on AM 1570 WHTX has joined us this year too. So uh, locally you can hear it on AM radio. And anyways, and around the world on Western Reserve Digital Broadcasting, it's on the TuneIn app, it's on 365 app, it's everywhere. Just flat out go to Western Reserve uh, Digital Broadcasting, just Google it, you'll find it, trust me. Anyways, we'll be on the air probably 6.30, kickoff is at 7, it should be a great game and uh, a big test for both teams uh, to move on. We are actually now reaching the final eight in each region, or basically in each region, which is normal where the playoffs begin, but the crazy 2020 season where everyone made the playoffs here in Ohio uh, gave us the games that we had. Enough said. Check us out. 7 p.m. is kickoff. Pre-game starts at uh, 6.30 with Matt and I, and Anthony will be uh, joining us on stats. So once again, thank you all for uh, tuning in. Check you out on Saturday, maybe, and I hope uh, Anthony and I will be back Sunday with a recap of the high school football action and the NFL action going forward. Once again, check out Gemma on Twitter at GL Bastiani and enjoy the grand final, everyone. Talk to you soon. Wear a mask, stay safe. 